Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30, the 40, Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Good gosh, dirty! This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. We are back with you. The COVID-19 virus cannot shut down the podcast as we've got um, a bunch of great episodes that are going to be coming up for you guys. But tonight we are here to look at where the Tory Heels are at on the 2021 recruiting trail. We've got to keep you updated because boy... The Tar Heels are not slowing down at all, even though there have been some bumps in the road with uh, everything that has been canceled in terms of unofficial visits to campus. The Tar Heels are still pushing along and are having some really good success along the way. And so Zach Hubbard is back with us to discuss everything Tar Heel recruiting. And uh, hey, look, uh, life, life has slowed down a lot. I know it probably has for you with everything that's been going on with the coronavirus pandemic, but uh, man, it, the, the Tar Heels are just fighting through it and uh, they've landed a couple of big commitments uh, since everything has started to kind of stabilize after the initial period of shock, I feel, uh, after sports was pretty much taken away from us. So uh, at least the Tar Heels are giving us something to be happy about and talk about. Yeah, absolutely, and I think I think when you get times like this, uh, one of the things I've seen specifically recruiting wise, and you know, we'll sort of get into it when we go over the uh, the most recent additions to the class, is that you know a lot of these 
prospective athletes have a lot of time to really think over their, you know, their recruitment here. I mean, there's there's not school going on, there's not spring ball, there's not visits, there's not anything. It's just, you know, it's a lot of people at home, um, and that's not, you know, to make light of the situation, of course. But um, I think that's something that we've seen already, um, and I think that's uh, I think that that can, you know, be beneficial to the Tar Heels, you know, over the next coming weeks and months. Uh, as we see guys looking to make their commitments. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that really helps the Tar Heels in this time is that y- y- the Tar Heels have built a ton of momentum. They've built a very good reputation on the 2021 trail, and there are still a lot of guys, even though this is going on, that want to get their recruitment done before they start their senior years of high school. So it feels like pretty much what the lasting impression that many guys had before everything was shut down ahead of some of the unofficial visits that a lot of guys were scheduled to take. The Tar Heels, of course, had a lot that were expected to be on campus, but I think where the Tar Heels are at right now really helps in this time where pretty much you're just going to have to go off of what the classes already look like, which classes you think are the best to join um, in terms of where you think you're going to have the most success with the guys that are going to be in that class with you. And uh, I think, you know, being able to communicate only via, via text message and phone definitely uh, has its has its advantages and disadvantages, but for a guy like Mac Brown, who you get that that feeling from a, a lot of the players and recruits that we've talked to over the years, when it comes to the way he recruits and that fatherly vibe, you feel like he's a guy that is sort of built for this type of recruiting. And uh, for Carolina, really, before everything started to get a little bit crazy, they landed two more commitments since the last time that we broke down some commitments for you, which was the night of Drake May's commitment. Uh, they followed that up, been back-to-back days getting Kobe Paysauer and then getting their first out-of-state recruit in uh, Eli Sutton, the four-star offensive tackle. But both guys, very, very talented guys, and we're going to go uh, over both of them. First, we'll talk about Kobe Paysauer, the four-star wide receiver, the number 332 overall recruit in the class, the number 57 wide receiver in the 2021 class, just showing you how unbelievable Unbelievably loaded this class is with wide receivers and ranked as the number 18 player in the state of North Carolina. The Tar Heels wrapping up one of the home state's better overall receivers and a guy that can definitely help Carolina on the outside in coming years. Um, if, if you want to go back and watch this young man play, I would suggest the best tape to go back and watch is his game in the state semifinals this past year against the Charlotte Catholic Cougars. Um, a game where he pretty much willed his team to uh, a seven overtime loss, but kept his team in it multiple times and gave them a chance late in the game. But this is a guy that is extremely talented. He's earned all conference honors back-to-back years in the Big South 3A conference at Kings Mountain High School, and is a guy that I think, as we've seen grow throughout all of his years, because he he was a guy that produced as a freshman, he's just gotten better and better. What, what did you like when you first went and looked at the tape from from Kobe Paysauer, and what do you think he brings to the table for Carolina? Well, I think uh, when you look overall at the wide receiver class within the state of North Carolina, it's a very good class. There's a lot of you know high level prospects. There's a lot of prospects that they would deem as blue chips, so four or five star. However, you want to look at it, there's a lot of good wide receivers in the state of North Carolina this year, and I think that. Uh, Kobe Paysauer is one of the best of them. I mean, you put on his tape, if I'm going to throw an adjective out to describe him, 
it's going to be he's a gamer. He's a guy that really knows, you know, how to do what he needs to do. And that's kind of a nebulous term, but to get more specific, uh, this is a guy that's really good at running routes. He's really good at going down the field. He's got speed. He really knows how to move within space. When I put on his tape, it reminds me a lot of what we've seen from Deami Brown, uh, another, you know, North Carolina wide receiver, blue chip guy, in the sense that, you know, if you're going, if you got to go on a slant, he'll get you that. If you want to go on a go route down the field, he'll get you that. Intermediate, he'll get you that. So he's really a guy that you can use, you know, in a multitude of ways, in a multitude of routes, uh, and be effective there. Uh, when you put on his uh, film, what I really liked and what really stuck out to me were those go routes where you just tell him, you know, get off the line, move your guy out of the way, get down the field. And that's something that he, you know, he really thrives at uh, at the high school level and that's something that we've seen a lot from uh, Deami Brown not only at the high school level but already at the college level this past season so you know for me I, I know that his ranking might not suggest it I think he's one of the better wide receivers in this class and one of the better wide receivers in North Carolina um, and I think he's a great addition to the class. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, just from seeing him in person and also seeing him on tape, I mean, look, he averaged 21.4 yards per reception um, in his first three seasons so far of his prep career. He's a guy that knows how to create separation, especially down the field, and that's been one of the things that he's had to do at Kings Mountain to try to keep their offense as – much of a threat as it is because really there's just not a whole lot else that's in that offense. I mean, they don't have the greatest quarterback. Um, they've never really had the greatest running game either, but he's been a guy that's helped carry this team. And you could see that in that state semifinal game. And that's exactly what he does on tape. I, I like the comparison to Deami Brown because not only can he create separation deep, he can go up and get the football and make those contested catches. He made a couple of them um, on the film that I saw and when I saw him in person as well. So there's a lot of things to like about him. I think he's definitely a guy that's got a little bit of a limited route tree. It's pretty much like you mentioned, slant for shorter for shorter completions if they need to get uh, just a short first down. And then in order to try to make something happen offensively. He had the deep route, the go route um, that he would use so often, maybe a post route sprinkled in there, but he's a guy that's got a pretty limited route tree. I think that's something that Lonnie Galloway will look to work on when he first gets to campus, but really is a guy that I, I think you know you, you kind of referenced it. He's not really a guy that has the greatest straight line speed. He's not going to blow you away, but he has enough quickness to create separation and give defensive backs problems, and I think that's what he's going to bring to the table at Carolina and help a group that is going to be looking to replace a lot of really talented receivers uh, this coming this uh, offseason uh, after the 2020 season. So then we move on to 2021 four-star offensive tackle Eli Sutton, the number 168 overall prospect in the 2021 class, the number 21 offensive tackle, and the number four player from the state of Tennessee and as I mentioned, this was the first time Carolina went out of state to get a recruitment in this 2021 class. And boy, they landed themselves a good one and one that, uh, at least from my perspective, and I'm assuming from your perspective, you think will be able to help them along the offensive line for a couple of years to come. I think so. 
Absolutely. I mean, you look at the size listed as 6'7", 285. So, you know, a guy that really has that overall frame that you'd like to see, but really has the ability to gain weight as needed, but also stay slim. Um, you throw on the tape, and oftentimes, in my opinion, when you throw on the tape for high school offensive linemen, it can be a little bit more difficult to gauge how they're going to be at the next level as compared to, you know, skill positions, quarterbacks, what what have you, due to the fact that, you know, if you're being recruited at D1 college level, you're going to be pretty dominant as an offensive lineman just because of your size. But you put on that film, you do see, you know, a guy that moves feet really well in pass protection, can really, you know, put a hat on a hat, can move a guy out of the way. Um, and based on what I've read, you know, from coaches and from uh, guys that have, uh, you know, opposing defensive coordinators, he's a, he's a really cerebral guy. He's a really, you know, a guy that understands how an offensive lineman is supposed to play. He understands, you know, the different blocking schemes. He understands the pass protection. I think that's one of the biggest things that could, um, once he gets on campus, could help him play early on. It's just that, you know, there's not going to be a huge learning curve. There's not going to be, you know, a, a huge sort of development of, um, I guess, a mental framework of what you need to do as an offensive lineman. He's got it. Um, people, have, uh, you know, in his community have really pointed out how much of a leader he is. So I feel like uh, what, what I've heard is that you know, if you're looking for a guy uh, like a Charlie Heck, if you're looking for a guy, um, you know, of that nature, where they're going to be not only you know, a great offensive lineman, but a great leader, uh, that, that's what they say that you're getting an Eli Sutton and, you know, for my book, I couldn't ask for anything better out of the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, Charlie Heck, I think, is the guy that we're kind of going to compare everybody to in terms of the Tar Heel offensive linemen over the next couple of years. You're looking for those offensive tackles that show good athleticism and, and, and can find ways on pull blocks to to get out quickly and, and be able to, I mean, Charlie Heck was just on a different level. He could go from the left side to the right side um, and, and and basically go from being a left tackle to uh, almost, almost in, in the tight end C-gap position um, in the blink of an eye, and that's that's just crazy. I don't know if we're looking quite at that with, with Sutton. I think he could definitely get there, um, but I like just about everything else about his game. I'm with you. I think uh, a physical guy, especially in the run game when he can get ahead of steam, um, and was utilized well with the quick passing game as well. I think there is going to still be some development with his pass protection because of the type of offense that he played in, um, but it was a team that averaged 334.6 yards per game uh, this past season, and, and that shows you that he's going to give you exactly what you need to be able to run the football well, which I think is still one of the things that Carolina wants to do, even if they're going to have Sam Howell or Drake May back there. You're going to have these really good quarterbacks, but we've already heard it. They want to be like Oklahoma's offense, a team that their quarterback can win them games when they need him to, but ultimately they want to still be able to run the ball at a high level. And they did that this past year, and I think Sutton will only continue to help that. And he still shows some things that I think show he can be a good developmental pass protector. Um, he has really good lateral movement from what I've seen in, in his limited pass protection attempts on tape. Um, and really the other thing that I liked um, is is the, the 
good uh, first step, which is something that's just so key to establishing good position for offensive tackles, especially because they're going up against guys that are so much quicker than them off the edges. And so, uh, you know, I think there's there's still some development that'll need to be there in his game. But I think that this is a guy that can come in, and if he doesn't have an impact in year one, I think by year two he's definitely going to make his name felt. And Carolina, once again, you know, I mean, this year we were supposed to be looking and finding that guy here in spring practice but as they go into summer you know they are going to have to replace Charlie Heck and so there is going to be another name that's going to step up and you usually look at some of those younger guys and again this year the name that I was hearing was a Sim Richards um, who was a guy that was a part of the team last year as as a rotational piece as a true freshman um, I, I believe he was going to be a redshirt freshman because I don't believe that he was active for more than four games but I could be wrong about that um, but either way a redshirt freshman or a um, or a sophomore uh, he was going to have an impact and those seem to be the type of guys that Carolina want to step up or those guys that can play two three four years and so um, with the potential that we, we just don't know uh, if Jordan Tucker could end up leaving after this year because he's been playing so well. Um, there, there's always a chance, and Sutton could be that guy that could eventually slide in there. So a good piece for the Tar Heels to sign in this class. Then there was a little bit of a layoff while everything got a little bit crazy. Uh, Carolina was able to hold on through all of that and eventually got what was seen as pretty much a little bit of a surprise commitment from Tamir Brown. Um, not really the fact that he committed to Carolina, more the fact of the timing, a guy that was wanting to take some official visits before he made his decision but was wanting to take those during the spring and summer. So again, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think what's playing into Carolina Carolina's hands very well is the fact that a lot of guys are still going to want to get their decisions out of the way before they play their senior seasons. It feels like that's kind of where Tamir Brown was. He ends up making his commitment. The Tar Heels land the number 322 overall player in the 2021 class, the number 29 athlete, and the number 21 player in the state of North Carolina. And he was a guy that pretty much played everywhere a year ago at Jacksonville High School, played a little bit of quarterback, played some wide receiver, also played on the defensive side of the ball as a cornerback. So when you look at Tamir Brown, what do you think his best fit is when he arrives to campus in 2021 for Carolina? Well, I think the projection probably right now would be at cornerback or at wide receiver. It's going to be at a skill position just based on his frame and his size. Right. He does play quite a bit of quarterback there in Jacksonville just because it's a smaller high school where you do need to put your best athletes you know, at multiple positions. Uh, to compete in games, but um, from what I've heard, uh, Jay Bateman is really high on this guy at quarterback. Um, listed at 5'10", 166 from what I've heard, probably a little bit bigger than that. No, not only in height, probably more at the, uh, you know, the six-foot range, but probably weighs a little bit more now as well, so he's been, you know, he's been building on that frame of what Carolina wants to have at a cornerback going forward, but um, just based on what you see overall, because you see him see multiple positions, when you see a guy do that, not only based on the size of the high school, but it says a lot about his athleticism. So I think we can see, you know, the speed and space. You want to project that onto what a cornerback does, you know, turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, what have you. You can see that. You can see him follow a wide receiver. You can see you know, various aspects of that. Cornerback is a position. I think there's also, you know, space for a wide receiver, maybe more in the slot than on the outside. But um, 
overall, I would say, um, you know, you see an overall athleticism, you see a physicality there, even despite the signs that you might see on film. Um, and I think those are two components that will allow uh, Tamir to, you know, have a lot of options when he gets to college. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think cornerback is definitely his best position. I know he played a little bit of wide receiver um, th- this this past year and the year before, but uh, really just, just from looking at it, it, he just doesn't have a ton of experience there. Um, I think cornerback would probably be the spot because he's been playing there since his freshman year. And uh, really this past year spent most of his time on the offensive side of the ball, but his first two years at Jacksonville High School, I mean, he finished with 83 total tackles, three interceptions, and nine pass deflections, and helped lead his team to the 3A state title game, something that most people did not think was possible for a team that uh, was was just right around 500 for most of the year, but he's a really talented player. Um, he's a guy that, as you mentioned, with Jay Bateman's system, what they're looking for at corner are guys that can play man-to-man on the outside, and that's exactly what Brown is able to do. He has uh, the speed to play there. Uh, you, you can see that not only in the fact of you know that he shows you that on, on the offensive side of the ball or in special teams, but it really shows up on his defensive tape as well. He has no trouble staying with the faster receivers. Now, his height, I think, is something that people are going to look at. You're going to want those those bigger bodied corners, but I think he's got the coverage ability that if they need him to play on the outside, it definitely works. And, and I think that that's something that we're going to see from, from him when he gets to campus. Um, he, he's still, you know, definitely a little stiff in the hips, uh, not as fluid as, as, as maybe some of the other guys that you're going to be uh, trying to target, like Tony Grimes, who pretty much would come in and start from day one. I think there's some development for Tamir Brown, but I still feel like this is a big get for the Tar Heels because you need those types of guys that know how to play the man coverage that you're looking for because last year, Year, once you got further down on the depth chart, you really weren't seeing those guys there. It was guys like DeAndre Hollins who were brought in under the last regime or Greg Ross. Guys that j- were there and pretty much just had to learn on the fly. Now you're getting a guy that's experienced with that, that's done it before, has done it throughout high school. I think that'll be huge. And the other thing is, if he doesn't have the success that you're hoping at a corner, you can always move him over to wide receiver. So uh, a lot of potential there uh, for this year young man coming out of Jacksonville, which the Tar Heels have now gotten back-to-back prospects out of. Of course, he'll join Jaquarius Conley, who came out of Northside High School uh, in Jacksonville in this past year's class. And then Carolina, they got one of uh, arguably the biggest player that they've gotten uh, here in in this group that we've just talked about. And we'll tell you why he is the biggest player here in just a second. But 2021 four-star athlete DeAndre Boinkins, the number 176 seven overall player in the 2021 class, the number eight athlete, and the number nine player in the state of North Carolina. And again, you're getting a flexible piece that can be used on either side of the football, even more seasoned than Tamir Brown, who we talked about on the offensive side. And this one, I think, is really, really big for Carolina because of what happened just the day, a couple of days before, when Evan Pryor ended up committing to Ohio State. So 
So this one, I, I think, serves a, a little bit more purpose maybe uh, than the other three that we've talked about. All the other guys still very important, but this one uh, definitely feels like a sigh of relief after uh, there was a little bit of concern when Evan Pryor committed. Yeah, absolutely. And while I, I don't feel that his position is necessarily decided as of yet, I mean, mm-hmm. he definitely gives you some options at multiple areas. Um, I would say he, you know, you mentioned a minute before a recruit from last year, Jaquarius Conley, and I've seen a lot of comparisons to him actually uh, just in his, you know, in his frame and his body type, but also, you know, the fact that he plays running back and safety in high school. And those are the two positions that we could see him play moving forward. You know, if he ends up in safety, um, would be sort of a, you know, an athletic physical guy, guy that you can put in the box uh, if you want to, but can, you know, drop back and play in space if needs. So maybe not necessarily a traditional free safety, but, you know, a guy that can play safety back there and really be an athletic uh, piece in the secondary. But, you know, if you want to put him at running back, you can do, you have a legitimate option to do that as well. And, you know, really a patient runner, really a guy that can uh, use his feet well in space. Uh, maybe not uh, a burner per se, maybe not Michael, uh, you know, Michael Carter, but uh, really just a guy that, um, you know, gives you options there. And like you said, you know, with the commitment of Evan Pryor, a four-star running back uh, to Ohio State, you sort of can calm down a little bit. You can sort of say, you know, we have some options here at the running back position and there are still running backs being recruited. So, you know, due to getting guys like this, like DeAndre Boykins, like Tymere Brown, like we mentioned, and other ones already committed in the class, such as Caleb Foote. You have multiple guys in this class that can play multiple positions, uh, give the Tar Heels a lot, of off, a lot of options in terms of how they use them. But I think one of the most important things to note is they're increasing the athletic profile of this team. They're getting guys that can do multiple things that are you know high-level athletes at whatever they do. So, you know, overall... Really just a great addition, regardless of where he ends up. Yeah, I, I I think you're spot on on that one. And I like what you said about landing the athletic guys because that's exactly what we heard, especially on the defensive side of the ball, this team was wanting to find. And it seems like they are finding that type of guy. I mean, you mentioned with DeAndre Boykins, safety is one of the areas that I've heard talked about. Uh, probably, like you said, would be more of a, a strong safety, a lot more physical, um, a guy that looks the part of maybe a, an in-the-box tackle um, if he was to play safety because, uh, I mean, he does have some coverage ability um, for sure, but I uh, definitely like that physicality in the middle of that defense. But at the same time, I've also seen some people say he could play nickelback, a guy that can play close to the line of scrimmage, can give you something when in terms of stopping the run, but also has the ability against a slot receiver to be out in space and handle himself in coverage. So uh, there's a lot of different things that you can do with him on, on the defensive side side of the ball. Um, But I think on the offensive side of the ball, he's also a guy that really can fill what could be a big need for you in this 2021 class as we get past the 2020 season and we find out whether or not we're going to lose Javante Williams. I mean, Javante Williams has all the skills to be a very successful NFL running back. And I think it just depends on how successful he is this upcoming season, how they're able to balance what he's doing with 
Uh, Michael Carter, who is a guy that was a thousand yard rusher a year ago and is also looking to have his own NFL career. And if he does end up leaving, the Carolina is going to have a huge void at running back because you're losing two very talented guys at a spot where you've got some depth, but maybe not as much depth as you would have originally thought. So. I think landing DeAndre Boykins, he's a guy that will kind of remind you if if he does end up sticking at running back of of the style that Javante Williams runs with. The physicality from the defensive side of the ball definitely translates over. Um, as you mentioned, not a guy that's going to burn you with speed, but is also a guy that can put his foot in the ground and, and make some hard cuts and make guys miss in the open field, but he can also do it by lowering a shoulder. So uh, there, there are some things to like about Boykins, but... Uh, as you mentioned again, and as we just talked about with Tymeer Brown, just so many different things that you can do with them, a piece that you can plug in on either side of the field, and you would, I mean, honestly, you would feel he's going to have an impact probably in some capacity in year one, no matter where he's at. So I definitely think that he brings a lot to the table. He's a huge addition in this class and gives Carolina a guy that is one of the better players in the state of North Carolina as well, uh, something that they've been doing so well so far um, with uh, his commitment. Carolina now uh, with um, eight of the top 15, or excuse me, seven of the top 15 players in the state of North Carolina um, are committed to Carolina at this point. Eight in total are committed. The only one that is not committed to Carolina, as we talked about, is Evan Pryor. But this one definitely softens the blow and at least gives the Tar Heels someone that they can use at running back after losing the guy that was seen as basically a sure thing just a couple of weeks ago and their best option at running back in this 2021 class. So uh, with that, those are uh, the guys that have committed in the class. Now let's talk about the guys who could be next. I know there are some really big names that are still on the radar. We just saw today 2021 three-star offensive guard Jared Wilson announced his top eight. Carolina was a part of that. Who do you think could be that next uh, that that next player that commits to this class? Because I've written two articles to try to guess who that next player would be. Um, neither one have uh, actually been successful in guessing who the next person was going to be. Maybe you'll have a little bit more luck than me. Well, I think there's quite a few options. If I had to narrow it down, generally, I would say I think it's going to be an inside linebacker. And if I was going to narrow it down specifically, I think it's a player out of the state of Virginia by the name of Bryce Steele, a guy at the inside linebacker position that Carolina has been courting for quite a while, looking to see if they can add his commitment. Obviously, like we mentioned here with the um, sort of COVID-19 freeze that we've seen on college athletics as a whole you know a lot of these guys have a lot have a lot of time to think about you know their college decision and where they want to go so uh, if i had to pick one guy you know that carolina has been looking to have committed for a while and you know wants to add as soon as possible i think it could be a, a guy like bryce Steele. Um, i think there are a couple options as well but i'm interested to see you know if you have another option that you want to throw out there well, I think Bryce Steele is is the guy that I've heard the most about as being the next guy to join. Um, you know, there's been multiple people that have told me to be on on commitment watch for him, um, and it just really hasn't 
hasn't worked out just yet, but I think that's probably the smartest name to go with right now. I'll tell you the other name, and this is the guy at the same position, also has a teammate that is already committed in this class. I think that's Damian Wilson out of Kings Mountain High School in Kings Mountain. I, I, he's a guy that fits exactly what Carolina is looking for on the inside, a physical guy that can really stack up the tackles, um, not a guy that's really going to be great in space in terms of cover linebackers, but I feel like Carolina's kind of addressed that. They've already gotten some guys in uh, in this past year's class, and there's also some guys that they're still looking at in this year's class and have already landed in this year's class, guys like Gabe Stevens, um, who, who are going to be able to go out in space and play that sort of hybrid linebacker position um, that Carolina wants to utilize. So I don't think they really need that type of guy. Damian Wilson fits what they need. Um, a guy that can help to sort of soften the blow. It's it's going to be tough to fill the void that's left behind. We think Power Eccles is probably your best chance, but soften the blow of the spot that's going to be left behind by Chad Surratt. And I think Damian Wilson is is probably that guy. I think Bryce Steele is is very interesting. And and the thing about Bryce Steele that I don't think people really understand. I mean, he can play linebacker. He's got the size to play linebacker, but he's kind of in the middle as well in terms of size. So he could move back to safety if Carolina really needs him to. A little bit of a better cover guy than Wilson is. Um, definitely a guy that I think has that that sort of flexibility and athleticism that we've been talking about so much with the guys in this class so far. So I think there is a chance that both of these guys could be a part of this class, but I think right now those are probably the two guys that you're keeping the closest eye on. I think there's a lot of stories being written about uh, some of the other guys. Mainly the the position that's been talked about the most is running back um, because, I mean, a lot of people are kind of wondering, you know, if Carolina is going to be able to lock down a guy like Will Shipley, who seemed like a long shot at one point but is starting to sort of show signs that he's at least giving Carolina a chance. I still think that Clemson and Notre Dame are, are, are the top two with Stanford right behind them, um, and everybody else is kind of trailing. But I think Carolina's made up a lot of progress. And if this the, the longer this goes for him, I think Carolina's got a chance. Uh, Trayvon Henderson, I know, is a guy that's been talked about a lot here, especially since Evan Pryor's commitment. They did say that they 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 think he was a an Ohio State guy, but Ohio State has landed two transfer running backs here in the last couple of days. So I wonder if that changes his plans at all, looking at the fact that it is going to be an extremely crowded backfield in Columbus over the next couple of years. Um, but still, I, I think Carolina's got their work cut out for him. Something that hurts Carolina on that front was they were supposed to have him on campus actually uh, on Friday uh, of this week, but um, he was not uh, was not able to come, of course, because of all the visits being canceled and everything being shut down. So I think that definitely hurt Carolina, but there's a ton of other guys as well, and um, I, I think Carolina's definitely looking to add another running back in this class. I don't know if anybody's as close as committing uh, as the two guys that we talked about, but it's still in a position to keep an eye on because I, I'm almost certain that before the end to this, Carolina will definitely add a running back in this class, uh, or at least another one to join DeAndre Boinkins. Uh, so, uh, anything else before we head out of here in terms of recruiting uh, on the 2021 trail, or uh, maybe even 22 or 23? Yeah, I think there was one more guy in particular that I've been uh, hearing about that I did want to mention as a potential. 
potential commit. Um, one that, um, like Eli Sutton that we mentioned, is an out-of-state offensive lineman uh, by the name of Logan Taylor out of Episcopal uh, High School in Virginia. It's the same high school as Bryce Steele. Uh, well, a guy that Carolina was looking to bring in over, you know, sort of the spring visit schedule um, is from out of the country, actually, is a, is a uh, Canadian native and wanted to bring his parents down. Uh, has you know high school coach that's a pretty big component for the Tar Heels. Um, so a guy that was looking to get down and you know had some interest from what I've heard and could be a guy that looks to commit in the future. Now we don't know you know with that visits you know canceled of course, but you know just a name to throw out there, just a name to keep you know on the back burner going forward. But yeah, a lot of things to be excited about. I mean, you you look at the number of commits that Carolina has at this point. I, I believe we're up to eleven commits mm-hmm. total at this point. Um, and the class is filling up fast. Um, it's it's a class that is not going to be more likely than not. It's kind of not going to be the full twenty five. Might be a little bit smaller than that. So, you know, could be halfway done. Could be a little bit over halfway done. And you know, I think that's another factor that's going to play into uh, the minds of uncommitted recruits at this point that have interest in the Tar Heels. Of you know, how many spots are left? How many spots are left at my position? Who else are they looking? I think that's going to be a factor as well as, you know, of guys looking at, you know, they're really going to get down to brass tacks and say, is this a place that I want to spend, you know, three to four to five years of my college career playing college football? Is this the decision I want to make? So uh, it, it's really something that's, you know, exciting. It's exciting that we've had all these commitments. It might slow down a little bit here for a while, but, um, you know, I, like we say, pretty much every time, you know, since Mac Brown has been hired, it's a great time to be a Tar Heel football fan. It's a great time to follow Tar Heel recruiting. Um, it, it, it's really something that's astounding to see, and I think it's, you know, it can only go up from here. Yeah, I mean, the number four class, uh, according to 24-7 Sports composite team rankings as of right now, uh, number two in the ACC. And look, with these last two commitments closing in very quickly on Florida, who is ranked third in the class right now. So Carolina, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people were wondering when Mac Brown came in, even after he landed his, his first full recruiting class, I mean, this is a solid class, but will he actually be able to get Carolina up into that top 10 recruiting area that he says he's been wanting to get Carolina into? Will he be able to lock down the state? Carolina ranked, as I mentioned, top five in this class so far. Still a long way to go, but barring anything shocking, I don't think this team will fall out of the top 10 in this class. And they have locked down the state of North Carolina 10 of their 11 commitments so far are from in-state, and boy, they have done so much damage already in this state and so many other guys that have Carolina in high regard in terms of their recruitment. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. We'll get you out of here with the 40-yard dash as we take a look at uh, some of the other storylines from uh, really from former Tar Heels uh, throughout the NFL and the XFL. Of course, as you know, uh, the thing that's kind of been holding us over in the sports world as of right now with everything that's been going on has been NFL free agency. A couple of former Tar Heels have signed. Tight end Eric Ebron signed a two-year, $12 million deal with the Steelers and will be um, reunited with a guy that he played with for just a little bit of time in Ryan Swift. And then you'll have defensive end Robert Quinn. He will uh, actually get to play with Mitch Trubisky and the Bears. Uh, He signed a five-year, 
$70 million deal with the Bears, a guy that has had a very successful career so far, and after a very solid year as a uh, guy that came in really as, as just a backup piece for the Dallas Cowboys just a couple of years, or uh, just last year, had a lot of success with them. He now gets a chance to get a big contract and will head up to Chicago. Uh, guys that still remain as free agents, former offensive lineman James Hurst, former defensive tackle Sylvester Williams, and former defensive end Kareem Martin, all guys uh, that we'll be keeping an eye on for you as we go forward. Meanwhile, the XFL season is canceled due to coronavirus, um, ending the season uh, a little bit earlier than many were hoping. Austin Prohl finishes with the most successful season, 16 receptions for 225 yards and three touchdowns. Meanwhile, Elijah Hood in LA, 23 carries, 78 yards, no touchdowns, actually led the LA Wildcats in rushing though for a team that really struggled running the football. Marquise Williams, of course, was up with the New York Guardians, finished the season 23 of 48, 145 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, and Des Lawrence had a very successful year for the DC Defenders, 18 total tackles, one tackle for loss, and three pass deflections. Unfortunately, their seasons are over. It'll be interesting to see um, what will happen with the XFL. That was a, a league that started out very promising and still kind of held its own just a little bit. So we'll be interested to see if they will start that up once again. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Of course, make sure you head to the website to read all about these recruits that we just talked about. All four of their commitment articles are up there. Also, in terms of basketball. We've got everything that you need um, in terms of season recaps. We're going to have some awards that are going to be given out. Um, There's a whole bunch of great stuff up there on the website about that. And then, of course, you can read uh, our analysis of the final week of Tar Heel baseball. That's the way that it wrapped up for uh, the Tar Heel uh, seniors. But uh, they did get some good news. They will be able to return next year. Uh, So a lot of those guys will be playing again for the Tar Heels next year. Read how their 2000 2020 season finished up before it was cut short as they finished 12 and 7. Um, they'll get to run it back again next spring. So uh, we'll have you covered with all that stuff whenever uh, football, basketball, or baseball returns. We'll have you covered on the HeelToughBlog.com. Uh, also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. We have a bunch of great episodes coming up. Some former Tar Heels are stopping by to talk with us on the podcast. You will not want to miss that. And, of course, we will have you covered with everything that is going on in terms of when this team does get back on the field and what they're doing on the recruiting trail as well. So, once again, want to thank Zach Hubbard for stopping by with me tonight to break down the these great recruiting lands for the Tar Heels. Want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the podcast. And remember, as always, go Tar Heels.